listening to World Wide Web for your listening pleasure. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. I'm not ashamed to say. Good morning. Good morning. I am Deb Creer, the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And I am so excited about my guest today. It is another person that I met at WordCamp. You know, I'm just going to have to keep going to WordCamps because this gives me so many fabulous guests. But my guest today is Chris Ames. Welcome, Chris. How are you doing today? Hey, Deb. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Great, great. Well, let me go ahead and and tell the folks a little bit about you and why I'm so excited that you're here. So Chris is the product midwife for a startup company in Atlanta, Georgia named 8-Bit, which, in a fit of irony, is responsible for creating an array of products and services that have nothing to do with 8-Bit video games. He is an Internet citizen, a sarcasm enthusiast, and sensibility advocate who has a gift for describing technical concepts with equal parts brevity and clarity. So again, Chris, welcome. Thank you very much. Great, great. Well, you know, as I mentioned, we met at WordCamp, and Chris was giving a presentation on blogging, and I was just absolutely fascinated with it. And, you know, I really want to get into that because, to me, blogging is, as, you know, so many people know, the very foundation for probably everything that we should be doing. It gives us all of the content that we need in a lot of cases for our social media posts. You know, it it really does set the foundation. So first, Chris, tell us how you even got started doing what you do? Well, um, I, I started off in college as a um, sort of a pre-med student and found that I was spending all my days um, in, the, uh, in pre-med classes and then all my evenings in the computer science department, cool. in the computer labs, just vegging out and geeking out on technology. And so it took about a year, but I finally realized, what if I could spend my days and nights Seeking <laughs> out on technology and the web and, and everything. So that's when I changed my major and that's kind of all she wrote. Great. Well, and that probably explains why you use the term product midwife as part of your description. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a term given to me by a friend of mine named Megan and she kind of described it that way, which is, um, it, it's, it's such a beautiful metaphor to me because mm-hmm. number one, it's, it's funny, <laughs> but number two, it, um, you know, whenever you, you, you bring a product into the world, it really is kind of like giving birth to something that you, you may not have even conceived or had a right. hand in conceiving mm-hmm. at some point. So it's, it's one of those things. Great. So, you know, before we get into talking about blogging and things, let's talk about what you guys do at 8-Bit because, you know, it's very cool. It's a, an Atlanta company, and I love that. But tell the folks what you guys do at 8-Bit. Aside from having a ton of fun, and we're going to talk more about how you guys really mix fun and work to get a lot of work done. But tell us what 8-Bit does. Yeah, specifically um, what we like to say is we're passionate about the art and science of online publishing. Mm-hmm. So um, our day-to-day is, is basically we meet together, we hang out, and we try and figure out what, how can we equip people who want to publish online and sort of the digital uh, publishing realm, we, how can we equip them? And um, the great thing is that we ourselves are online publishers. We have mm-hmm. 
um, successful commercial blogs. We have personal blogs. We find ourselves writing for the web. And, um, and so we're really making tools for ourselves in addition to our customers. Great. Yo, and, and one of the products that you have is called Standard, which is a WordPress theme. So for people yeah. who, you know, aren't familiar with what a theme is, why don't you talk us through Standard and, and kind of what it does for, for people who want to use WordPress? Well, um, I like to start with kind of a broader definition of WordPress because okay. even a lot of people don't even realize Great. what WordPress is or mm-hmm. they, they hear it. But um, we like to think of WordPress as um, an operating system for websites. Mm-hmm. So um, just like you might have an operating system on your mobile phone, it's the it's the thing that has the menu and the navigation and it allows you to add apps and, and configure settings. WordPress is like that for websites. So once you have WordPress installed on your um, on your server that's out there on the on the World Wide Web, you can um, you can then begin to add you know things that are like that are like apps to it. For example, one thing you can add is a theme, and mm-hmm. this dictates in a lot of ways how your website will look. Um, but it also adds a certain amount of functionality because usually if you're trying to style your website a certain way, it's because you have a certain audience in mind, and, and that's something you want to accomplish. So um, adding a theme to your WordPress site is like adding an app to your phone or to your, your computer, your PC, um, in a lot of ways. So, what, well, so standard team, for example, is a, it's a WordPress team. When mm-hmm. you add it to your WordPress-based website, um, you then are equipped with tools to help you um, become a professional blogger, more so than you would with just um, a, standard, a, or a theme out of the box. Great. You know, and the nice thing about themes is you don't have to be overly uh, HTML. You don't have to know programming. You, it really is yeah. just kind of an out-of-the-box type of thing, which makes it so cool. And one of the stats that I heard recently is that one in four websites in the world is built on WordPress. You know, so that's why these themes are so great is it gives people the ability to have a website that looks very, very professional and be able to do it themselves. Of course, you know, there are obviously still companies who need to have a web designer and, and do all sorts of, you know, the fancy things. For, for people like me, you know, my word, my website is built entirely on WordPress and I love it. It's, it's very easy to use. Yeah, there's actually, um, I think it's around 70 million websites with running WordPress today, but you count both WordPress.com, which is um, which is owned by a company named Automatic, and mm-hmm. sort of WordPress.org, which is this open source flavor of WordPress that um, the common person can just download for free and install on their web server. So it's that's a, that's a lot of that's a lot of websites. Mm-hmm. Seventy million is a lot. Well, and you know the cool thing about themes is their cost. You know, it, it really is not something that should dissuade somebody because it's very, very inexpensive. So, how much does standard cost if someone wants to buy a license just for, say, their one website? Um, actually, if, if you have ten websites, you just buy a single license. It's uh, forty nine dollars. Nice. Um, we have uh, an option if you need tech support or you need some help getting things started. Um, there's a $99 license that comes with the, mm-hmm. the software and uh, the support service with it. So, yeah, you're right. And it, the great thing about that is, like you said, now you can have sort of a custom-developed um, website that was that was written for a very specific purpose. A lot of times, a lot of the WordPress themes are niche. So you have um, photography-based or video-based or blogging-based themes. So there's commercial ones for, like, small business and e-commerce. And so you have, you can buy this, this, um, product 
a lot of times for fifty or a hundred dollars, and you get this full suite of services and features that are very rich and targeted at whatever you know the goal of your site is. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, one of the things that I liked about Standard was it's very clean. You know, it's it's very easy to use. And I'll be honest, I bought it, and then I have a confession. I wasn't able to use it. Um, and, and no, it wasn't you guys. It was me. And so that was why I wanted to talk about this because it was a mistake that I made on my end. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, our listeners don't make the same mistake. I was using another theme, um, and loved it, but you know, the time had come to, to redo some of my branding. And so I thought, Oh, I love this new theme. I, you know, so I went out and I bought it. And then I did, and then I actually had a WordPress expert who asked me, now what type of widget, which is something that you can add in, which type of widget did I use for my SEO? And I said, uh, <laughs> and what she told me was because I didn't have something like Yoast or Search Engine SEO or All-in-One, you know, all of those various things, if I switched yeah. themes, I'd lose my SEO, which was so bad. I didn't want to do that. Well, it's even – it's it's a little more nebulous than that. Like, it mm-hmm. isn't necessarily that you'll lose any page rank or SEO mm-hmm. that you have. It's that it's hard to it's hard to figure out exactly what kind of impact because changing themes – could increase your SEO as well mm-hmm. as have a negative impact. So, but there's no real clean and easy way to test and find out. Right. Um, with, with standard specifically, we actually have some of the um, features that you would find in a Yoast SEO mm-hmm. uh, plugin um, baked into our theme, and we actually had um, Yoast. Um, he actually uh, the, the, he's a programmer, well and well known in the SEO industry. Mm-hmm. We um, had him audit our theme. Oh, or nice. SEO to make sure that we were, mm-hmm. you know, following industry standards, we brought in an expert. So, cool. Um, I think you would have been safe to go ahead and make the switch, but mm-hmm. this is something that I talk to a lot about from um, prospective clients. I say we can't guarantee right. that there won't be an impact because mm-hmm. it's really the search engines that determine um, how they interpret your your page and then where you rank mm-hmm. um, in their search engine. So. Well, and so what I did was I, you know, stuck with my old theme, which it was working just fine, um, and, you know, made all of my redesigns, but I added Yoast so that that way that kind of starts building on there. And this is what this uh, WordPress expert told me. She said, and then in six, you know, six, eight months, I can switch themes and more than likely it won't be affected. Um, but she said, advice. you know, kind of, kind of back up for a little bit and then go forward again. That's good advice. Go. Cool, cool. So, you know, let's talk about blogging because, you know, as I mentioned, that was what I heard you speak about. And I was just fascinated. For one thing, one of the things you do is you blog about your family. And, you know, now your wife, it's it's very cute. She remains anonymous, which is, you know, my husband remains anonymous in all of my social media postings. So that's perfectly understandable. But you blog about your kids. and. It was, it, it, it was so special to hear you talk about your, your children. It, it was just, you know, you are such a devoted father. And to me, this was a great way for you to be able to tell stories about them. But then I think what interested me the most was you said at some point you'll take the blogs down and just have yeah. them for your kids later on. So, you know, to me, that was, that was just fascinating that you would do that. Well, I write in a lot of different venues. I write for 8-Bit. I write for uh, a nonprofit here in Atlanta in the metro mm-hmm. area. I write for a lot of different venues in a lot of different way, capacities, from documentation, 
to web copy to marketing lingo, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, the, uh, the thing about my personal blog is um, in each of those venues, I keep the audience in mind. And so for my personal blog, I keep my family in mind. And mm-hmm. a lot of times I will write a letter directly to them because the main thing that I want to, um, I want to impart to my children is, is this, you know, I want to, to share the mistakes I've made. I want mm-hmm. to share my wife and my epic victories. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, if I don't capture them uh, as we go, I'm going to lose them. Right. And to me, that's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm going to go through all the trouble of, you know, making a mess of my life, I at least want to document it along the way mm-hmm. so that my children, who who are genetically predisposed to maybe lean in the same, you know, um, uh, the same, like, bad behaviors as me, <laughs> can have at least that heads up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've, we've given them our genes, my wife mm-hmm. and I, and so mm-hmm. they're stuck with them. And mm-hmm. so we want to equip them to the best of our ability. And blogging is such a great platform for mm-hmm. that. Um, not only because I'm documenting this stuff to share with them, but also because as I'm writing it, you know, blogging is a two-way mm-hmm. um, communication platform, right? Like I put something out there public and right. anybody in the world can respond to it. Mm-hmm. And so I can get feedback and advice and encouragement um, along the way, and that's just added bonus. Mm-hmm. Well, and to me, what I think is so special about this, <coughs> excuse me, is that some people tend to think that if they're in business, you know, or they're an entrepreneur, they should never really let people know their person, you know, their personality. And you do it in such a way that you still keep everybody private, you know, and, and things like that. And, and, you know, as I said, at some point you may take the blog down completely, but it is a way for people to get to know you because then they think, Hey, you know what? Chris is a great guy. He, you know, he's a very devoted family man. And maybe he is somebody that, that we want to do business with. Yeah. The, um, I love how sort of the social landscape today with Facebook and Twitter and blogging, um, is kind of bringing the small business to the world stage, mm-hmm. you know, and this is something that we used to have in small towns and you would have a small, you know, the small business down the street, the corner bakery, you would, you would go in and you would know this person your whole right. life mm-hmm. and you would, then you would also know them at family functions and maybe church events or mm-hmm. school, you know, community type events, you would have a sense for who they are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the internet gives us this awesome power to be anonymous if we want to, but the reverse is also true. We can be right. ourselves if we want to. Mm-hmm. And I think that has a great power that a lot of people, a lot of businesses these days fail to leverage. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we do want to know more about the people we're going to do business with. You know, and it yeah. doesn't matter if it's, you know, the big company that we may only do business with once in a while. We still might want to know that they're good corporate citizens, you know, that they give mm-hmm. back to their community, all of those things. Or if it is somebody that we're going to develop a long-term relationship with, we do want to know a little bit about them. You know, now we, we I, I caution people that we don't want to overshare. You know, I've seen some things on social media that I'm like, really, did you, did you want the whole world to know that, oh, I saw one last week, this woman was having an affair and she was, talking about it and I was I was so mortified I finally just unfriended her of course I kind of watched the train wreck for a little while but then it was like okay no enough <laughs> drama but you know it, it is something where we can let people get a little bit of insight into our personality and as you mentioned whether it's blogging whether it's our social media posts it's a great way to to let people know who you are yeah 
I couldn't agree more. Well, and now one of the things that you talked about in the seminar that I loved because you're, you're such a technical guy was the fact that you always keep little pieces of paper and pencils around and that's where you write down your ideas. You know, so many technical sure. people, you know, they'd be trying to put it on their phone or, you know, all those things. You're old school and I loved that. I thought that was cool. Well, I've tried. I mean, Please believe me when I say I've tried to do it the technical way. Mm-hmm. And, um, but here's what I found out. You know, like you said, I keep a note card with me. I, I keep, we actually created um, a product um, mm-hmm. out of this idea that analog is sometimes better than, than digital. Mm-hmm. You can actually buy note cards on the, on the 8-bit website right now. But I keep these little note cards in my pocket. And what I found is when I keep them elevated and visible on the same level as my wallet, my mm-hmm. house key, and my cell phone, Mm-hmm. I bumped into that sneaky little card every day. I bump mm-hmm. into it when I wake up and put it in my pocket. I bump into it when I'm shuffling things around. And so if I had a, you know, if I have a good idea, it has a shelf life. It's going right. to expire. I'm going to remember mm-hmm. it 30 minutes later. I may remember it an hour later. By the time I, you know, brush my teeth at night, it's gone forever. If I haven't mm-hmm. captured it somewhere. And so keeping this note card front and center on me, it allows me within that, you know, expiration period to, to, to bump into the card where you realize that I haven't written down my idea yet because I'm not, I'm not a very super routine person. So mm-hmm. it's harder for me to just routinely, every time I have an idea, write it down. Um, and, and so the card bumps into me sometimes and reminds me, hey, remember that idea? You should mm-hmm. write it down or you're going to lose it forever. And then I do. So it's, it works. Well, and that's a great example for business people, you know, as they're going through their day and they're thinking, gee, I should post about this or I should blog about this, but they're not in a place where they can. It's, it's great to just quickly write it down, you know, so maybe it's that you hear something on the news and you think, oh, you know, I I need to talk about that. Or you read somebody else's post or, you know, you see a headline go flashing by all of those various things. And you're right. We don't remember them. You know, sometimes we're lucky if we remember that we should be remembering something, you know, let alone, you know, they're just completely gone out of our mind. So I think this is a great tip for business people is just keep a little piece of paper around so that you can capture those moments. You know, maybe it's something that you do, you know, use right away, or maybe it's something that takes a little bit longer that you kind of, you know, noodle on for a while, but you, you do have that written down. Yeah, inspiration um, strikes at the most inopportune times. Mm-hmm. And I know myself well enough to know that there's going to be some point where I'm sitting down in front of the computer, staring at a blank screen, and I'm going to have to write about something. Mm-hmm. Like that moment's going to happen. And those are the times when I reach into my pocket and all the little ideas and tidbits and quotes and fragments of thoughts that I've captured are there to be like this pool of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can be re-inspired again, you know, from um, from something that happened in the past. Right. You and, and we all have that happen. You know, I'll be listening to, to the radio and they'll, you know, whether it's a commercial or, you know, a story in the news or something, I'll think, oh, oh, I have to remember that. And, you know, you can make it 30 minutes. I can make it 10 minutes. And then pretty soon I'm thinking, oh, what was that? And, and really, I don't even remember sometimes that there was something that was interesting. So if, you know, if our listeners don't get anything else out of this program today, I want them to get that, you know, write it down, you know, write it when you think about it. Jot that little note down, something that will trigger your memory again so when you need it, it's there. Yeah, that's great. 
Great. Now, you know, you guys started 8-Bit. Um, talk to us about starting your own company and how you kind of went about deciding that this was something that you were going to do and then the processes that you went through in, in launching a small business. One of the things I love about our company is that we all met online. Mm-hmm. So we weren't like in real life friends um, prior to us becoming acquainted with each other. So I, you know, it started back when I somehow ran across um, my, my business partner's names are John, Tom, and Jared. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I ran into John on the internet through his blog and I started reading it and I started mm-hmm. reading something that I didn't like. Um, and so I did what everybody does. I had an opinion. And mm-hmm. the internet's, you know, standing before me. I shared it. I let them know right. that's a mm-hmm. terrible idea. And so I became a uh, what is known in internet terms as a troll uh-huh. on John's blog. And um, it didn't take long before uh, friendship was formed. We, mm-hmm. you know, we found out we lived in the same area, and so we um, we went to lunch, and mm-hmm. um, and and so then you know we met through Twitter. You know, Jared and John worked together on some things, and mm-hmm. Tom and we started talking, and so we became friends um, as we were. Um, personally, as we were forming professional um, relationships as well. And so, you know, one thing led to another. John launched Standard Team as sort of an experiment, a side project. You know, he's a mm-hmm. blogger. And so he created a blogging-based WordPress theme. And um, it, um, it took off. It was very successful right from the start. And um, it got big enough to where he needed help. And mm-hmm. we started reaching out to other, you know, Internet citizens and his um, sphere of influence. And um, that's how we all kind of got connected. And so... Um, long before 8-Bit was an LLC in the state of Georgia, you know, the four of us were working together at, mm-hmm. on this sort of side project that had gone gangbusters that uh, John had launched. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really how we kind of got started there. Well, and you guys actually have a physical office, which, you know, a lot of people think, oh, they're Internet programmers, you know, they're working in their basement, you know, and, and they don't ever go out and see people. But you guys have this this office. Now, I haven't visited yet, so I need to visit. But it sounds like a really cool place that is very inspirational for you. Describe to people what your office is like. Yeah, we um we didn't start in the office. This is important. It was a year and a half, you know, two years before mm-hmm. we built the company and the income stream up streams up to that level. Um, but we and we did work in basements, and we you know and <laughs> you know in fact John and his whole family lived in my basement for a while. Mm-hmm. So um we um but now we do have an office, and and so we've had a lot of time to sort of romanticize about. What's it going to be like when we actually have an office? And and the question of should we even have one, um, mm-hmm. that, that's been front and center for us the whole way because mm-hmm. we grew the company without one. It right. wasn't critical to our success in the mm-hmm. beginning. You know, we would use, um, uh, we use a service called Yammer. We use SocialCast now. It's like this chat line, you know, back channel mm-hmm. where throughout the day we would communicate with each other and, you know, talk about collaborate on the projects and sales and quality assurance and stuff like that. And um, But now that we have one, um, we have made sure that it kind of fits this romantic ideal that we've been mm-hmm. growing and fostering and nurturing. And um, if you walk in, it looks kind of like a co-working place, mm-hmm. kind of like a man cave. You know, we have a stand-up <laughs> arcade. We have mm-hmm. flat panel TVs. We have, um, you know, couches and, you know, excellent places to take naps and John does every day. And um, and so it's 
it's fit, it, it looks fun and inviting. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, a lot of companies try to do this and, you know, they throw a ping pong table in an empty, you know, warehouse room or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And they say, no, we're fun, you know, because there's a TV, you know. And, and, um, but I think we've, we've elevated it to another level, I think, um, at our, in our office at 8 mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard for me to put to words. Pictures really do it, don't even really do it justice. Mm-hmm. But, um, it is a, it is a place where you can go and hang out and the, the, the proof to me is, you know, last Wednesday I spent five hours with my children mm-hmm. who are age three, five, and eight. Mm-hmm. And the very next morning they were like, can we go back to work, Dad? Cool. So we able to go there, work. Mm-hmm. They're able to have fun. There's a pile of bean bags that they dive into. There's um, just a ton, of, a ton of fun to be had. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think what's important to note is you're still getting work done. But this is a place that allows your mind to kind of do that. And, and so many people, you know, I've worked in cubicle land, you know, oh, those are fun. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and, and places with office doors and, and all of that. And, and I do understand there are certainly times where that is needed. Uh, you know, I've had jobs where, uh, where I was, uh, working on communications about laying off employees. Well, you know, not exactly something you can work on out in the middle of, of everywhere or, you know, some other things like that. But, People need to interact with other people. And I think that's what gets lost sometimes in businesses is they do force people into the cubicles, you know, even if it's just half walls, you know, and, and mm-hmm. so then you kind of box yourself into that little space and you forget that sometimes the best thing for your mind is to just completely shut off and have fun for a little bit. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we say is um, it's not enough to do good work. We must also do good play. And mm-hmm. it's not lift service at 8 that, you know, we, we're obsessed, like, like you said in the intro, we're obsessed with blurring the line between work and play because mm-hmm. we believe that creativity and good work are born from rest and they're right. born from play. A lot of people mm-hmm. have to have it flipped. They think, um, I must work my pants off to earn rest. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you don't realize, I think most people don't realize that it's the rest and it's the play that actually um, influence how good your work is and that you should mm-hmm. focus on that, if, if, if not more so, at least equally as much. The balance has to be struck mm-hmm. in order for both to, be, um, to, to, be, to feel rewarded from doing either. I feel, I feel really good when my play and my rest um, comes after a season of working hard, mm-hmm. and I feel really, really energized about working after um, a season or a period of playing and resting. And mm-hmm. so getting the pendulum to, to like hover there in the middle, it's not easy. And businesses are famous for, you know, getting the work part down. Like mm-hmm. that's what you expect to hear. You go to your, you go to, you go to work on Monday morning and you know a lot is going to be expected out of you in the work department. What businesses are terrible at is validating how important rest and, and, and play are mm-hmm. to the creative and the work ethic process. And so, um, we, we're, if we're going to err as a company, if we're going to swing too far in one direction, we're going to swing too far in the play direction. We think mm-hmm. the work part will, will sort itself out. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, studies have shown that when employees are given the opportunity to take kind of a mind break, 
they do work better. You know, it's it, it, yeah. long ago, you know, and actually I, you know, since I'm not in corporate America anymore, I know that there probably are still those laws that say you have to take breaks and you have to have lunch and all of those various things. Yeah. But you know, the, the reason is it, it's not, it it is a way for people to kind of mentally switch gears for a while. And it's funny. I always think about it based on social media too, because you know, there are all these companies that say, you cannot access your Facebook page during the day. Well, okay, I understand why, you know, they don't want somebody on their Facebook page for two hours and being totally unproductive. But if they tell them, you know, hey, you can access it for 10 minutes. Okay, that's probably enough time for a lot of people to check in real quick to see, you know, what's going on in their world. And then they come back and they're productive again. So it, to me, it is a good way for people to be out there. And of course, with social media, companies also need to keep in mind that's a good way for people to be interacting with customers and clients. You know, whether it's just finding out what's going on in the world or more importantly, finding out what people want from your business, it's a really good way to do it through social media. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's, um, it's, 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 it's fun to see in action. It's more than fun to see in action. It's mm-hmm. inspirational to see it in action. And, um, and I too have worked in the, in the cube farm. I spent many years in corporate America, just, you know, um, Almost, like you said, the, the walls they put up, just the fact that it's a cubicle, even if they're half walls, it's almost like it's, it's an effort to sever relationships. Mm-hmm. And relationships, I think, enrich our work so tremendously that you want to tear those down. And one of the things we did was when we moved into our space, when we showed up, it was this 4,000-foot you know, segment of this building and um, in historic downtown Atlanta, um, mm-hmm. it's a building called the M. Rich Building, and there's still there's a lot of suites available in this building, and it's um it's beautiful. It's well over a hundred years old, mm-hmm. and um and but but somebody let a, a a government office had occupied it before us, and they had erected these walls. And oh. so you walk into this beautiful open space, but it's not open. All you mm-hmm. can see are doorways. Uh, other little offices, and mm-hmm. each office had been carved around a window. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, Jared, our designer, really led the effort on making sure that our, our office kicked butt. And so mm-hmm. he, he he looked at this and said, bring these walls down. And so we demoed all the walls, mm-hmm. and it was like, it was like you know, Cinderella um, being turned into the, the beautiful princess mm-hmm. you know, from wearing rags. It was just... It was gorgeous, and we it, it gave such a, a great foundation for us to build, to salvage and use, you know, the beauty that was there just hidden beneath the surface, hidden beneath mm-hmm. the drywall, was this beautiful, rich brick. And um, and so we, um, it's, it's, it helps us, I think, um, open our minds just working in an open space. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, and our relationships, one thing that we've learned, when we did our business off the purely virtual, mm-hmm. when we were online and in our back, our, our digital back channel, you know, for the first year and a half or so. Um, it was good and fun, and we had and we had a lot of fun and jokes, and, and you know, we we meme ourselves. We uh, take photographs where we each other can, um, and write, you know, um, captions and all that mm-hmm. stuff, and all that was fun. But what's really fun is actually working with your friends in mm-hmm. real life. Like, it, it has taken the lid off of our creativity it has taken the lid off of our relationships and um and it's not all you know moon pies and snickerdoodles either 
You know, mm-hmm. there's when you're when there's a real living person in front of you who's angry about or upset or you know we are we have fun, but there's there's always an element of dysfunction when you have like four high performance people trying to work together, you know, mm-hmm. in one direction, and um, and so it's it's just more visceral, it's a more real experience that um, I think is so lost in in the cube farms that um, that kind of litter our landscape of suburbia and and um, in, in metro areas today. Mm-hmm. So Great. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. You know, I love it, and I and I want to talk more about it. We're at the bottom of the hour, so when we come back, let's talk more about how you guys really have formed a team and what the value is of that team and working together and bouncing ideas off because, you know, and, and I want to explore, too, how people can do that virtually because so many of the people that listen to this program are small business owners who are like me. You know, I'm at my house by myself. And so how do we interact and create, kind of create those teams so that we can go forward from there? So let's talk about that when we come back. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. You're listening to Mile High Radio. MileHighRadio.com on the World Wide Web for your listening pleasure. Parenting is a rewarding experience that comes with challenges. Every parent experiences moments when they are overwhelmed or frustrated. Families First offers Circle of Parents support groups where Colorado parents can learn from each other in a safe, non-judgmental environment. Parent-led and professionally facilitated, each support group connects parents and caregivers to share advice and strengthen families. To learn more, call 1-800-CHILDREN or visit www.familiesfirstcolorado.org. Hi, Chris here from Yambana Gluten-Free Bakery. Do you get gas, bloating, cramping, or worse when you eat items with wheat, barley, or rye? You may be dealing with celiac, gluten intolerance, or a gluten allergy. Experts estimate that up to 40% of us need to avoid gluten. At Yambana, we make the best-tasting gluten-free items hands down. For two years, I've been perfecting our recipes to be tasty and moist instead of dry and crumbly. We use nothing artificial, and we ELISA test our products to be sure they're truly gluten-free. So no matter if you're a super-sensitive celiac or someone who feels better staying away from gluten, stop tooting your gluten and visit our online store today. Go to yumbanashop.com. That's Y-U-M-B-A-N-A-S-H-O-P-P-E dot com. We ship worldwide, and if you live in the Castle Rock area of Colorado, delivery is free. Save 10% when you enter the coupon code MILEHIGHRADIO, yumbanashop.com. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And we are back. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And we're kind of deviating a little bit about that topic. We're working it back in every once in a while. But, you know, this has been such a fascinating period of time for me, and it's because of my guest, who is Chris Ames. So welcome back, Chris. Thanks, Deb. 
Great. First, before we get back into this, tell people how they can connect with you online. Um, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at dude, D-E-W-D-E. Um, you can find me on uh, Facebook. It's facebook.com slash chrisangs. And uh, we have uh, apit.io is, is uh, my company's website. We have a blog there where we give. We talk about entrepreneurship and startups and WordPress, a lot of WordPress stuff and online publishing. Cool. And that's eight as in the number eight, bit.io. So that way people can find you guys. So before the break, we were talking about teams. And I'm actually on 8-Bit's website right now looking at it. And you guys all have, you know, you don't have bios here. But one of the things that you have for all of your team members are your team skills. So, for example, yours is product, strategy, operations, and sensibility advocate. You know, but And each person here has something that they have listed. Some of them are kind of funny, like John has profanity dilettante listed. So, you know, that, that's kind of fun. But you have your serious and your, your fun team skills there. But talk to us about why, you know, a team is so important. Well, this is, um, this is something that we learned quickly and we relearn like every single week. Um, each, every single member of our team at 8-Bit has epic, epic weaknesses. We all, we all suck in significant and magnificent ways. And knowing this has kind of set us up for success. Um, because you see, for every weakness, there's a corresponding strength. And, you know, as we mature as a team and as professionals, what we want to do is we want to focus on specializing in our respective strengths. Mm-hmm. And this is, um, this is a, a, a principle we learned from uh, a guy we follow named Andy Stanley. He said, um, he said, uh, play to your strengths and delegate your weaknesses. And so when you have a good team that complements each other, mm-hmm. you can have the freedom to, to play to your strengths and know that your team has your back and they're going to handle the things you're not so good at. Mm-hmm. Well, and it is difficult, though, for people like me to have a team because I, my company is me. Now, I do have a marketing person and I have a virtual assistant. So, you know, it's it's not just a team of one. But... It really does, you know, it, it is very difficult for somebody to completely work totally alone. And to me, social media is one of the reasons that, that I love being able to still work alone because in, in a lot of ways, I have a team of several thousand people that I can bounce ideas off of, that I can be funny with, that I can be serious with. And, you know, when people ask me, why do I use social media? That is one of the reasons. It's because I home office and I don't have this huge support system. But it, to me, it really is just a great way for to kind of build that team. And that was instrumental for us as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have a platform of readers that has been slowly growing, and it's um, it's it's because each of us, you know, has our areas of strength, but that we ha- kind of get involved in um, in mutual or not mutual, but um, we get involved in related um, industries and communities. And so, uh, Tom, for example. He's our engineer and our our, mm-hmm. our uh, coder, so he he writes a lot of code. Well, mm-hmm. it's it it's up to Tom to make sure that as a professional, he's blogging about what he does. That he um, goes to meetups like WordPress and programming related meetups. Mm-hmm. Um, he he writes for other blogs, um, and, um, and and each one of those has a community of people. And so he um, is out 
and visible and talking to people about something that he's passionate about, which is mm-hmm. writing good code. And so, um, you know, the same with John. John is um, he's very connected um, on the, in the social landscape, and um, he's he's very gifted in that area. And so, um, it, it as he makes relationships, it comes back to the team as a whole. And so, mm-hmm. um, but we wouldn't be together if it wasn't for these global conversations that can happen on Twitter or on Facebook or on your blog. Those are the things where you can um, find like-minded people mm-hmm. and you can connect with them. And then um, what I would encourage your listeners to do is when you, um, it's number one, you have you know be plugged in socially. Um, even if you're antisocial, even if you think you're an introvert, um, mm-hmm. there's a little goes a long way. So get plugged into existing communities and try and meet people on virtually that way and then um, foster relationships, that, and they can grow into a team. And, you know, one thing I can say about APIT, we could have functioned virtually, like, the whole time. We didn't have to go analog. We didn't have to meet in the office. We didn't have to do that. We feel mm-hmm. it's, it's beneficial for us, for who we are and what we're trying to accomplish in our, you know, respective stages of life, et cetera. Um, but we could have functioned, and a lot of teams, you know, function very successfully, being entirely virtual. And even on our team, we have virtual team members. We have Michael and Jason who mm-hmm. live in Iowa. We've, we've had, uh, in Iowa, we've had mm-hmm. um, interns um, in Kansas City. You know, Cam was an intern in Kansas City. And so mm-hmm. even though our team is, is local to Atlanta, part of our team are virtual. And, and so we only see them when they get on an airplane and fly to Atlanta. Right. Um, so I would encourage, I would encourage your listeners to do that. You know, and, and of course, one of the cool things about social media is some of them have the capability to do video. You know, people are still totally perplexed as to what Google Plus is and what they should be doing with it. But to me, one of the coolest parts about it is the Hangout. You know, it's a place where you can have up to 10 people in an interactive video. You can do, you know, much more with it where you actually, you know, end up recording it and posting it on YouTube. But I do committee meetings that way. You know, here in Atlanta, I'm not going to drive 45 minutes each way for a 30-minute meeting. So we have them on Google Hangouts. And I think people forget that there are other ways that you can use social media to actually be accomplishing work. Definitely. And we use Google Hangouts as well. Here's a, a quick pro tip. There's a hack I read about where if you set a meeting up for like a year in advance, Mm-hmm. It opens the Hangout right away. And so ah. we have this Hangout that we call the Cantina, and there's mm-hmm. a link in our back channel. So as we're kind of chatting throughout the day, if mm-hmm. any two people want to talk to each other, it's mm-hmm. it's like two clicks away. You click, you click join, and you're in. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wait for someone to go schedule a meeting or set mm-hmm. it all up. It's like this. It's kind of like a conference room, a virtual mm-hmm. conference room in a way. Right. And um, so we do that as well. Well, and – you know, face-to-face is definitely the best way to communicate. You know, when we start emailing and even just posting back and forth on social media, it's very easy to be misinterpreted. You know, we can only add so many little emoticons you know, and, and things like that. Yeah. So if you can do a quick little video teleconference, you know, it, it, it's great. You know, I've called in and, and I do this every day or every week for my radio program. I'm on Skype. So it it is a way to be able to reach people and build Build that team without ever having to, to leave home or leave your office. Yeah, it's very convenient. Great. Now, at the start of the hour, one of the things that I talked about is the fact that you were the product, or actually are, the product midwife for your company. 
What the heck does that mean? And why is it important <laughs> to have that? Well, we have, you know, our, our primary product. We have a lot of products and services. You know, we have a, we have a blog. John operates WPBailey.co, mm-hmm. which is a great WordPress blog. Um, we have physical products, you know, and we have, um, we have Standard, which is our, di- our primary, like our flagship, right? That's mm-hmm. our flagship product. And um, we're on version 3 right now. We're about mm-hmm. to do um, version 3.3. And, um, and it's, um, it, there's a lot of um, opinions about what features should be added or removed or changed mm-hmm. in any version of a product. I mean, if you use software on your phone or on your desktop, you know there's always these quirks or these things of, man, if only it would do this or that. Mm-hmm. And so as somebody who is sort of in charge of the direction of a product, what I do is I listen to the engineers because some things are um, take less time or are more efficient. I listen to the designer because some things are in good taste or bad taste or, mm-hmm. or will help the usability or hurt the usability of the next version of standard theme. I mm-hmm. listen to the QA person who says, you know, when I'm testing it, these are the things I'm noticing. I, I get to talk to the support person, you know, Jason, and he's got his hands in the community of people who are using it and really hyper-plugged into, mm-hmm. you know, what features and what problems with standard that um, the, the community are talking about. And, and then there's, there's our own sort of like, you know, um, innovation. Like there's ideas we have like, wow, we could really change things, the way the things in the industry are done if we just change this feature, add this new, new way to look at um, something that's been done a certain way for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so there's our own ideas on innovation. And so there's all of these different um, audiences that need to be addressed. And somewhere in all of those, opinions and experiences and perspectives are the right 20 features to add in the next version. Mm-hmm. And so what I get to do is I get to sort and sift and, and weigh and prioritize and find a cost-effective and beneficial set of features for us to work on over a three-month period for mm-hmm. the product. And so... Um, you know, whenever you see like a midwife, you know, in the traditional use, you know, in like pregnancy, you know, mm-hmm. she didn't necessarily give, you know, conceive this child. She's just helping the, the parents, the stakeholders, the mm-hmm. ones who are going to nurture and feed and care for the child afterwards, get through a process um, and, and kind of guide and direct a process that helps everybody get from where they are to where they're going with, um, in the safest way possible. Mm-hmm. And that's really how I see um, my job. Another uh, metaphor would be sort of like an air traffic controller. Right. You know, everybody else, I trust them to, uh, to know what each of their audiences are saying and what each of their um, groups of people want and need, et cetera. But it's, uh, somebody has to sit above the fray mm-hmm. and weigh the benefits and, and risk and everything and, and make decisions. So that's what I do. Well, and I think what's important here is the fact that too many companies skip that process. You know, they don't have that coordinator who's taking the input from all the various areas and saying, we can do this, we can't do this, we can do this, but it takes longer, you know, all of those various things. And that's where companies really get messed up is, you know, they develop a product or a service without figuring out all of those other pieces that, that really need to go yeah. into that. You know, you had the visionary who thought, oh, this is the greatest product or service in the world and we're going to create it. But then they missed everything else going along with it. Yeah, well, you can easily, some companies, I think, will default too much in one direction. Like, we'll just do the, the features that are the cheapest and easiest. Mm-hmm. Well, that isn't necessarily what everybody wants. Right. But sometimes if you, listen, if you listen to your customers and you give them exactly what they want, 
even they don't realize that some of the, the decisions they would make are going to hurt them long-term, and they'll mm-hmm. make a decision upstream that has negative consequences downstream. And so, um, for example, um, you know, um, if a new social service comes out, let's say, you know, something that's a cross between Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook, some mm-hmm. new or some new thing that we haven't even thought of yet comes out, then the first thing we hear uh, in our forums is, let's integrate with, you know, social <laughs> site, you know, whatever. Right. And, um, and so sometimes it's prudent to say, Let's wait because mm-hmm. once you do, it's hard to go backwards. Right. Because mm-hmm. then you're, once you integrate with something, removing that integration can have an adverse effect on your content, your, your site. And so let's mm-hmm. have a measured, you know, a measured approach and let's carefully walk into new territory. Mm-hmm. Well, and you, you do need to kind of pause and make sure that it's something that's even going to, to take off, you know. For example, you know, the fact that Google Plus is Google's third or, you know, even some people would say fourth attempt at social media. So the people yeah. who really jumped on board that first time, if they de- designed their product or their service around that, well, you know, they were in trouble. That's a great point. And, and Google came out the gate boasting how many people they had on Google Plus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we saw the numbers, we're like, wow, look, look at the great adoption this has. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as you dig deeper, you realize they were counting Gmail users. Right. And it's like, well, just because I'm a Gmail user doesn't mean I'm going to be a Google Plus mm-hmm. user. And Google Plus is a great example because we have in, um, <clears throat> in standard, we have some widgets that integrate with Facebook and Twitter but not Google Plus. Mm-hmm. And then we have another area when you write a blog post, you have a little miniature bio at the bottom that we mm-hmm. stylize. We do integrate with Google Plus there where you can put your Facebook account, your Twitter account, and your Google mm-hmm. Plus account. So even in the same product, you know, to Google Plus or not to Google Plus, is a complicated decision. And you don't just say yes and put it everywhere. You really have to strategically insert it in a safe and predictable place at each level. And we may add it to other areas of our theme because it is growing and it is larger than it was when it launched. But mm-hmm. we're going to evaluate it and weigh the decision against the 100 other, you know, choices that we have to make for right. the next best version of our product. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it does come back to figuring out what the customer wants. You know, yeah. and it might not be something that you can do, but you do have to pay attention to them. And, you know, the, the funny thing is I have people that say, you know, I'm going to ask a question about whatever, and I'm sure nobody's ever asked it. Now, there there aren't any truly unique questions, so there probably aren't any truly unique things that people ask you to put into the, the product or service either. Not a lot, um, and but what we do, you say pay attention to customers, and, you know, social media today allows us to do that in this amazing way that we're super, super thankful for. Mm-hmm. You know, customers will talk to you on all these different channels, and you have to be listening. Mm-hmm. And um, what we do is specifically we have a support community where we have like a feature request area. So not only can you add a request and if you have a great idea for one of our products, but you can see everybody else's and you mm-hmm. can upvote other people's um, ideas. And so mm-hmm. that gives us a great place to start with every version of our product right. to look. And, you know, when we went from standard two to standard three, we had something, I want to say it was close to a 70%, 70% of the features originated with our customers. And we were mm-hmm. able to actually give um, analytics on that because of how we do our business. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I you think, just, I think that, sorry, that that's, that's critical 
Um, you know, and, and you just brought up a really useful feature of social media that so many people overlook or are completely scared of is getting that feedback from people. You know, whether they're posting on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, whatever, the fact that they liked it, they didn't like it, you know, all of those things. Of course, so many businesses say, well, I don't want to know it if they don't like it. Well, you know, it, yeah, there are those criticisms that are horrible and are harsh and might use language that you don't like. But you every criticism you need to at least review because sometimes it's something that you can fix. And that's what I tell business owners all the time is, you know, it, there are things that go wrong and you need to know what those things are. Yeah. The, um, I wrote a blog post recently on the ASIP blog titled Collaboration Without Critique is Dead. Mm-hmm. What we're really talking about is open critique, right? Right. And so I think, you know, even us as a team, it's imperative that we critique each other, even if the recipient of the critique isn't ready to take ownership of the news. Because mm-hmm. collaboration without critique is dead. It's, it's useless. It's, you know, it's benign. And mm-hmm. so um, we, we have on our blogs, we have an, an open you know, policy when it comes to commenting. If somebody says something super, super disparaging or hurtful or mean or just vulgar or rude, we publish it. Mm-hmm. We don't shy away from anything. And um, we can, you know, I feel like we have permission to do that because we are a smaller company. It mm-hmm. helps that, um, you know, one of the things in our sort of the, our corporate tone, we have like a document we're developing right now, which is our brand guide. One of the things we say is you have permission to be human. Mm-hmm. Right, and and in in fact, it's required. Um, we, you know, all of us have the permission to write in a conversational style, mm-hmm. as if we're speaking directly to a single person. Right. We have um we have the permission to be honest, to give others mm-hmm. credit for their good work at every opportunity, even our competition. Um, we admit our mistakes, especially mm-hmm. to customers. Mm-hmm. You know, every apology should include an offer to make things right. Um, as as right as we can, given the mm-hmm. circumstances. Right. And mm-hmm. so on Twitter, you will hear us say, we were wrong. Sorry mm-hmm. about that. Or what can we do to make it up to you? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's fantastic. Well, and it comes back to what we were talking about at the very start of the program. It's about being authentic to yourself. You know, now if somebody swears like a sailor and that's all they're going to post on Facebook, that mm-hmm. might not be something that, that I want to read. But... You know, the second they try to tone back, then they lose being able to be themselves. You know, and and I think that's where people do get a little bit confused is they think they have to be this polished person on Facebook. You know, they they can't have anything wrong. They can't talk about bad things. Um, it was funny. I had a guest on several weeks ago who I he's he's a very positive person, and that's pretty much all he posts about on Facebook is very positive. And somebody question that one time. They said, you know, dude, doesn't anything wrong ever happen to you? And he said, well, sure. He said, I just don't want to post about it online. That's just not where I want to go with that. But, you know, we see it all the time where people are posting the things that, you know, something has gone wrong in their life or they're having a bad day. And it's okay to do that. Now, you know, we shouldn't get kind of caught wallowing all of that. But, you know, it does make us who we are. And I think that's very critical to people. That's why, you know, it's, it's difficult. You know, people will come to me and say, I don't have time to use social media, so I'm going to pay you to do my posts. Almost always I decline 
because I can't be them. You know, I, I can't put in that little authentic piece. Now, if it's a big company and there's not really a person that is, is associated with it, that's very different. But, you know, no one can, can post for me because they don't know who I am and they can't do all of the, the things that I would say. So the thing, same thing goes for, for somebody else. It is difficult to do that. And it takes a very special talent for somebody to be able to post on someone else's behalf. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I can't emphasize it enough. You have permission to be human. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's required. Right. You know, and, and you know, I, I love this. You've got this on your, your uh, website at 8-Bit, your gaming alter ego. And I just thought this was so cool. And, you know, I'd, I've never really talked to you more than just a couple of minutes, but this gave me an insight as to who you were and, and who you are as a real person. So your gaming alter ego, you say that you'd be Mario. He's just an ordinary guy inadvertently thrown into extraordinary circumstances. He never gives up, even when he works his butt off to only discover his princess is in another castle. That right there tells me exactly who you are. And I think that's, again, where people get lost. You know, they want to be the the perfect person who gets the princess every time. Well, you know, it's not going to happen. So people need to remember that on social media. Not only is the princess often in another castle, but sometimes you are just fixing pipes. And the next thing right. you know, you're in a totally different world than you thought you were. I mm-hmm. didn't plan to get here. I just found myself here. I just got to make the best of what I have. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and to me, when I see companies post, we're sorry, we messed up. Here's what we're going to do to fix it. That's when I want to go work with them. You know, when, because they became human to me. And I don't care if it's, you know, the giant company of the world or, you know, the little corner bakery down the street. I want to know that they're human. And I think to me, that's where social media, where people do get kind of caught up in the fact that they either overdo or they hide that. And, and, you know, we know it right away. We recognize that it's not authentic. So, you know, we're, we're about ready to wrap up. So talk to us a little bit more about blogging and why blogging is so important for businesses, whether it's personal or, or, you know, like you've done, you've just kind of made it your online journal about your family, but you also blog for, for business and for other companies. Why is blogging so important and how does somebody even start doing it? In four well, minutes. Number one. <laughs> Well, the fastest way to get started would be to um, go to WordPress.com and just follow the instructions. Um, mm-hmm. WordPress, it, it, you can get up and running. It will be free. You can get started. And if you like it and love it and grow, they have options for you to grow there in the WordPress.com area or to get your own host and and, um, and, and start your own, you know, uh, I'm sort of uh, take the lid off there. But the um, – the, the reason that I blog and the reason I love blogging, I think most, the number one reason is because um, I blog to, like you said, of course, connect and make relationships, but primarily um, to remember. Um, mm-hmm. When I write something, when I take the time to sit down and form 300 consecutive words in a certain way, it catalyzes whatever I'm trying to express. It catalyzes it in an articulate and meaningful way in my brain which is so forgetful, and and it's stuck there. It's stuck there for life. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I blog to remember. I blog so that the important things get picked up out of, like, the dust of my life 
and and cleaned up and put in a in a place of you know the 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 living room of my mind that gets noticed and appreciated so that I can do the good things again. Or if I write about a mistake I made or some you know area of improvement, I want to put that on sort of the chalkboard mm-hmm. that's in you know on the wall in the living room of my mind as well, so that I don't keep making that stupid mistake over and over and over again. So I love the business aspect. I love the transparency and the authenticity, you know, and um, we use it at 8-Bit to leverage relationships, not to leverage, but to create relationships and, mm-hmm. and, and to help us. You know, like I said, we have WPDaily.co. is a great blog where we're sort of in a technical community of WordPress people. We have a podcast, you know, where I speak, you know, with the other guys monthly. And all of that is wonderful. But if I have nothing to talk about because I haven't remembered it, because I didn't take the time to write about it and really firm it up and solidify it in my mind, then I've missed the most important thing for me when it mm-hmm. comes to blogging, and that is to to become, um, and on my personal blog, I put it this way, um, to become the man I should have been all along. And so that's right. what blogging is to me. It's a way for me to do that. You know, and, and I love that you just said it's it's blogging to remember. You know, people used to journal, and, you know, people still do journal, but, you know, you can blog, and here's the important thing for people to remember, it doesn't have to be public. You know, you can limit who sees it, you can make sure it's just you that sees it, but it's a great way to kind of archive all of these memories. For sure. Great. Well, one last time, Chris, tell people how they connect with you and your company. Well, it's um, it's 8bit8bit.io on the web. It's a it's not a .com or .org or whatever. It's a .io. Um, we have wpdaily.co, and um, you can find me at dude.com. It's spelled kind of like your teenager might spell it phonetically. Dude. D-E-W-D-E. Yeah, dude. Um, and uh, so dude.com and uh, dude on Twitter and uh, and on Facebook. I'm Facebook slash Chris Ames. Great. Well, thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to when I'm going to be able to use your theme because I think it's a great theme, which is, again, called Standard. So it's very simple, very elegant, but, you know, very easy to use. I will be using it at some point in the future, so I'll become one of your forum members. So, Yay. Great, great. Well, everyone, enjoy the rest of your day. If you are listening to this live, we won't be on next week because it's Memorial Day. And so uh, we will catch you in two weeks. Thank you very much, and have a great day. Thank you for being a friend Travel down a road and back again Your heart is true, you're a pal and a confidant You're listening to Mile High Radio MileHighRadio.com On the World Wide Web For your listening pleasure This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.